0: You are listening to Sheep Might Fly, a podcast of serialised fiction written and read by Tansy Rainer Robbins. Our current serial is of Knives and Night Blooms, and this is the penultimate episode. Chapter 29. Death and the River Divine. One of the benefits of growing up on and around the River Divine, since he was a lad, was that Dio was an excellent swimmer. He'd never actually collided with a river barge from above before, nor witnessed a boat torn apart by an angry god, but he'd seen his share of disasters on the water in his time. The crew of the silken hair reacted much as Dio would have expected. They swam for shore, putting as much space as they could between themselves and the remains of their broken barge. Understandable, as the moon jade chips used to fuel the ship should never be directly exposed to the magical waters of the River Divine. If that happened, you got the hell away. Mixing magics with magics was a renowned cause of historical disasters, though one might say that in this instance that particular ship had well and truly sailed. Dio trod water, keeping an ear out for anyone in trouble. He surveyed the scene as best he could. He spotted Valeria a little way away, perched on a floating piece of the silken hare's deck, as cool and calm as if she were reclining on a lounge in the middle of the pandemonium nightclub. There was no sign of Nimoy, or of the Black Raven. Ships all around them were circling, judging whether a rescue was necessary or perhaps the various crews merely wanted a sticky beak at the last gasp of a vessel unluckier than they. Dio wouldn't mind knowing more about what the Blood and Endless was happening. He swam in easy strokes towards Valeria. "'I hope you don't think you're clambering up on here with me,' she said archly. "'I just got comfortable. "'Can you feel Calyx?' Dio couldn't, and it was starting to worry him. The only mark on his skin making itself known was the new scythe knife across the side of his face, which felt hot to the touch, as if the god had used a burning brand to mark him. I don't think she's the one we have to worry about, said Valeria. Her eyes were strangely kind, sombre as she regarded his face. A call rang out across the water, and Dio shaded his eyes from the sun as he turned. The brightness was hitting the city at just the right angle to make its golden, amber, scarlet towers look as though they were aflame, a marvel to behold, but hardly the most important detail in this moment. Someone waved wildly at them from a small skiff, He looked like Mardy, which suggested that the shadowy glower behind her was the bow. "'She's so resourceful,' said Valeria, in an approving tone. "'I taught her that,' she added. Pleased as he was that Mardy was not dead, Dio was not sure that a skiff was any safer than the open water right now, not with what had happened to the silken hair. Apart from the debris floating on the surface— the water was oddly calm, considering. A shape bulged in the river. At first it looked like a slow wave or a large wing. Dio wondered if it was Nimoy, up to her new tricks. But it was Aiden who pulled himself up out of the water, a furious dark-eyed god, dripping wet and hungry for vengeance. Dio was reminded yet again that the type of person to whom he was attracted tended towards the dangerous, something perhaps he should examine about himself, if he survived this. Black feathers burst out of the water, forming a dark halo around Aidan's bare-chested form. He clutched something dark and twisted in his hands, a a shadow or a cloak. She lifted her head, and Dio realised to his horror that it was Nimue, She was wrapped in the gods' dark power, bound by shadows. She looked crumpled, defeated. Her eyes were closed, her body limp. Only her pale face and bare scalp were visible. Everything else had been swallowed up by death. "'Fall of the gods,' said Aidan with a warm smile. "'Not today, my dears.' The mark on Dio's face lit up hot and raw, he felt himself tugged towards Aidan, not with the desire he had felt when he was only a handsome man in the darkness, but something else. Something that felt like Calix's magical bond, only deeper, set into his marrow. This was what it was like to be chosen by a god. Dio didn't like it at all. You're one of us now, Valeria murmured, her eyes fixed on Aidan. Dio could not tell if it was awe or love or fear in her gaze. Valeria had served the black raven longer than anyone alive, if you believe the stories. She wouldn't be coming to Nimoy's rescue. Neither would Mardi, however kind she seemed. They were the blade and the needle. They'd belonged to death long before they belonged to Calyx. Dio, though. Dio had loyalty baked into his bones and he had never chosen to serve the god of death. He was taken. Calix took him too, but didn't mean to. He had chosen her back since then, over and over. He believed with all his heart that it was a choice. He hadn't fought her bond as the others had. That mattered to him now. It was up to Taurus to stop the Black Raven from hurting Nimoy. The river whispered around them. Nimue's eyes snapped open. Of course, Dio realised with a sinking feeling. She didn't need him to rescue her. No one ever really needed him. The cave of the black raven cracked, breaking apart in large heavy shards. There was a time in his life when Ikaros would have thought... If my God dies, let me die with him. This was no longer that time. He pressed Calyx close to his chest as they plunged once more into the dark and shadowy waters. As the waters lightened and the two of them coughed and spluttered once more into the open air, sunshine this time, an open sky over the wildly churned harbour of Phoenix burning in the late afternoon. There were hands reaching for them both, pulling them to safety. Icarus found himself sitting in an over-filled skiff, water streaming from his feather brace and hair, squashed in with the blade and the needle and the bow, as well as Dio and Calyx. What did we miss? Where were you both? Valeria asked. You can't have been underwater all this time. The river rocked wildly below them, and Icarus took that as a good enough reason to avoid the question. Calix squeezed Ikaros's hand tightly. That's Nimue! She had her magic back. Icarus could feel it, like a cool rain in the warm sunshine. Night blooms bobbed up around them in the water, clustering around the boat. A strange sight to see them unfurled in daylight, already beginning to glow. It was indeed Nimue. The girl floated in the air above the harbour, looking fairly serene for a person under siege by a god. Hundreds of black ravens hurled themselves at her, pecking and clawing without being able to get near her skin. Death was the birds, and a dark cloud looming above the young woman out of place in the azure sky. Death was below her in the form of Aiden, bare-chested and shaking with rage, as he poured everything he had against her. Everything, except us. The River Divine, who had chosen Nimue as their avatar and champion, was not willing to go down without a fight. Nyads and water sprites gathered in the harbour here, drawn from upriver. The sound of siren song was sweet on the air. Ash rays and grindylows, usually only seen where the river ran deep through the mountains, flickered on the surface of the water. Nereids lifted their long fingers up out of the water, reaching to Nimue, sharing their saltwater magic. Flora and fauna and all manner of in-between strange magical creatures were bobbing up out of the water, ready to serve their new mistress. The river itself was thick with magic. It wrapped around away like a cloak and around Aiden like a shroud. The battle was intense and hard to watch. The river was winning. Valeria watched the scene, far too tense. She looked like she had taken poison already and was waiting for the effects to set in. You realise, she said, if the gods fall, if he falls, we lose everything. Not everything, said Icaros, his fingers tangled in calyxes. Valeria's eyes blazed at him. Anger at first, then something a lot like pity. Have you forgotten? She's not yours. Her magic is making you feel this way. Pain shuddered through her body, and she coughed up a whole camellia, petals spraying across the bottom of the boat. "'You're only proving your point,' she snarled at Calix, who looked taken aback, "'as if she too had forgotten that Icarus was in her magical thrall, "'that he was not hers in any way that was honest. "'Slowly he let go of her hand. "'The god of death called his birds to him, and they flocked to his body,' enhancing his power even as the river savaged him from all sides. Calyx had seen magical battles before, but nothing as intense as this, nothing as primal. No one in the thick of it was human except her daughter, and the river seemed determined to use Nimue, as if she was another of its mythic inhabitants. The black raven no longer looked like a man. Water engulfed his skin, sticking to him, unmaking his shape until there was nothing yet left but shadows and feathers this is not our time he screeched into the air nimoway spoke in a voice that was not her own Calix knew her daughter and this was not her i am the future the river will take back this kingdom the end of the gods is coming but it doesn't have to be today ''Clean up your house, raven. Tidy your temples. Stop fighting the inevitable.'' He roared at her with what was left of his mouth. ''The only thing inevitable is death.'' Nimaway, not Nimaway, raised one perfect eyebrow. ''Not so nice on this side of it, I imagine.'' Death screamed. Shadows and water and feathers sprayed outwards in one last burst of power against power. And then it was over. Nothing remained of the black raven but feathers, floating on the surface of a remarkably still river. Nimue was gone too. Calix scrambled to her feet, wildly rocking the boat. Icarus put his hands on her, pulled her back down, half in his lap. Have faith! growled into the side of her neck. There, called Dio, pointing. A figure cut through the water. Nimue had always been a strong swimmer, dipping in and out of the various pools of the palace gardens in the Imperium, always busy and active, so very alive. Nimue reached their boat quickly, and her face came up from the water, smiling with exhilaration. Calix's heart had started beating again. This was her daughter. None of the river's otherworldly power touched her now. She looked human, normal. Calix let out a sound, strangled and painful, reaching out. Dio was nearer and hauled Nimue up out of the water. She clung to him for a brief hug, all wet silks and rivulet then laughed impossibly and crawled across the skiff full of too many people to reach her mother. Calyx sobbed as Nimue climbed into her arms like she was a tiny child. I thought I'd lost you. She'd thought this whole endless journey would be a safer choice than leaving Nimue at the Imperium without a parent to protect her from the court's machinations. She had never imagined anything like this. Is he dead? asked Mardi, one hand on her belly, eyes on the black feathers that floated on the water. Can he die? We'd know, Reynard said roughly. We'd feel it. I don't know what I feel right now, said Mardi. The bond threads connecting them all to Calix were brighter than before, stronger. That suggested the connection between the priests and their gods might be weaker, not that it was gone. If he is dead, said Icarus, with a wary look in Valeria's direction, we're in trouble. Valeria whipped her wet hair back, unbothered. It takes more than that to kill a god, even a god of death, she did not say. After a moment's embrace, Nimue was already pulling back from Calyx, her eyes bright and wild. What now? They all looked at each other. Correct me if I'm wrong, said Icarus in a scathing sort of voice, but I believe there's supposed to be a royal wedding. Calix looked around. They were surrounded by boats, barges, ships each with crew standing on deck, staring at the scene of the wrecked silken hair. She and her protectors were visible from the city wharf, where a cohort of gladii were waiting for her to step into her future. More armoured men lined the wide black steps leading up to the city, as if every soldier had come out to watch the show. So many people had seen what happened. Did they understand its significance? Did they know what Nimoy had done? How could Calix protect her daughter in a court where she knew no one, trusted no one? Nimoy leaned in, her forehead gently bumping against Calix's, an old move they had not done since she was a child. There's no getting out of it now, said the daughter with the diplomatic training. The petal of the imperium sighed. I suppose. We did come all this way. They'd be offended if we turned around and went home. Thanks for listening to Sheep Might Fly. This podcast was recorded on Palawa land. I acknowledge and pay respect to the Tasmanian Aboriginal people as the traditional and continuing custodians of Lutruwita, Tasmania. Sheep Might Fly is produced and edited by Andrew Finch. You can sign up to my author newsletter for updates. Follow me on Instagram, Blue Sky, or Threads at TansyRR. And if you like this podcast, consider supporting me at Patreon, where you can receive all kinds of bonus rewards, early ebooks, and exclusive stories for a small monthly pledge. I'll be back next week with the final chapter. It is. It's done. We got there. Uh, the final chapter of, of Knives and Nightblooms. Uh, some point in the next week or two, certainly during December, the edited ebook uh slightly revised. It's made some changes since I started reading the chapters aloud um that will be appearing on my patreon as exclusive to all members. so if you've been considering signing up even just for a month or two, uh you'll be able to receive this uh novel as one of your first bonuses. Uh, even at the very lowest uh, $1 tier. So consider that. Now, um, before the year winds up, I am going to do one more Ask Tansy podcast episode. So please send me your questions. I'm going to put a post um, open to the public on my Patreon uh, where people can comment asking for questions or you can email me, you can contact me through any of the social media that I just mentioned, Um, however you want to get in touch. My email is tansyrr at gmail.com. Yeah, get in touch with any questions you have to ask me. It might be about writing. It might be about any of my stories, things on the podcast, general questions. Uh, Yeah, send them my way. And I'm going to do one Yeah, Ask Tansy podcast before I wrap up for a little end of year break next year on the podcast um well maybe i'll save that for the ask tansy episode too but i have been making plans uh so yeah um if nobody asks any questions that is literally all i'm going to talk about so i will see you next week for the last chapter of of knives and Nightblooms. see you then